Hey folks, I'm Kathy Parker with Beyond the Ball Field. This is not your typical sports show. We won't be talking X's and O's, but we will be talking about raising your family in the sports-crazed world. Let's not only survive sports, but let's learn to thrive on and off the field. So please, join us as we look at life beyond the ball field. Today, I have the privilege of speaking to Jeannie West. You've probably heard of her son, Damon West, or at least of his story, a story that he, um, partnering with John Gordon, wrote, um, The Coffee Bean, A Simple Lesson to Create Positive Change. Damon has worked with a lot of college teams across the country, and his story, he's able to come in and relate to, he's been, he's been a collegiate quarterback, and he's been on top. He also got involved with drugs, and he took himself along with his family and his friends and community down a path that many people know. The thing that has so moved me with his story is he's using it now. He's using it to save so many lives. And when I was listening to his story here recently, I just could not get over the fact of something that his mother did. It was a stance of just tough love. You know, us moms, sometimes with our unconditional love, we don't want to face the fact that, you know, our kids, someone that we brought up has done something that's so horrible as, um, as being a burglar like Damon was back in 2009. He was sentenced to 65 years maximum security prison. I mean, can you imagine what that went through that mom's mind and heart, how broken that whole family was uh, over what had happened, you know, and they were, they raised him the best that they could, like many of us do. And he had all of the opportunities, but just made some horrific choices. And many of you are there as well with that hurt and pain of things that you have no control over. And I want you to hear her testimony, a mom that had unconditional love, but also had faith in an almighty God and did not give up on a son. And He turned around, and now he's turning around the lives of many, many more. We are so privileged today to speak with Jeannie West. All right. Have the privilege of speaking with Miss Jeannie West. Jeannie, I'm telling you, being a sports mom, I know the ups and downs of sports of raising kids that are athletes, but your story, your extreme highs and lows, I think, I think you top mine for sure. Um, Let's start with the highs. Your sports family, husband, a sports reporter, native of Texas, where football is definitely the king sport there. And you have a son, Damon, who uh, shows a lot of promise, gets a college scholarship, to uh, North Texas is the quarterback there. Can you tell us a, a high that you had when you you maybe looked at your husband and said, you know, all those practices, all that that we've been through uh, really paid off. Can you think of a time where you were like, wow, this is awesome? Yes. we uh, During Damon's time playing football, and mainly he played, um, he was redshirted his freshman year but we went to all the games. Uh, we would drive to Houston early morning, uh, went to all the home games at uh, the University of North Texas, catch a flight on Southwest, you know, go to the game and catch a flight, come home that evening. 
And uh, and that was exciting because, you know, we would see other parents on the road from uh, parents of uh, athletes from the Port Arthur Bowman area who would travel every weekend uh, and, and make their, their children's games. You know, uh, it, you become one big family, road. don't you? You like, do. You really do. Yes. And then and, your other sons, did they did they go with you too to the games? Yes. Uh, at that point, uh, Brandon was at the University of Texas, uh, where he got his degree in, in uh, journalism and public relations. And Grayson was still in, in school. So he was in high school. So, you know, he traveled with us. So you so were, it was a fam, family thing and living the American dream of uh, of, a, of a child doing well in sports and even getting that college scholarship that had to be right. so thrilling. It was. It really was. Okay, now let's move to the to the extreme extreme lows. What do you? What was the point of when you thought, um, what did I do wrong? Oh gosh. <laughs> it uh really and truly it all came to a head during the trial uh that Damon had. It started in May of uh 2009. He was arrested July 30th, 2008. And that's when we became aware of his drug problem, uh his uh, his problem with uh, with crime. We had no idea prior to that time. We lived in, in Port Arthur, and, you know, he was in Dallas, and we would see him on occasion. He didn't come home that much. Uh, we didn't go up there a whole lot, you know, to check on him. Um, we had Bob's mother living with us, and uh, so, and then working full-time, Bob and I both, and Grayson in school, we were we were caught blindsided. Well, I mean, and we he was were, he was an adult. I mean, he had yes, he had he was you know finished uh-huh. finished college and he was uh, working and and um, you know he needed to be on his own and 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 so forth. So, but you you started seeing some signs that things weren't quite right. We did. We would call and he wouldn't answer the phone, and then he would call us back a couple of days later, sometime. Um, and he always, you know, he, we knew he had lost his job, uh, when he was with, uh, UBS and training to be a stockbroker. Uh, we knew he lost his job and he told us, you know, he was, um, going to auctions at storage units and, uh, buying storage units and selling things that, that they received from those auctions. Um, he was working for a limousine service. We did go up there, uh, and the limousine service picked us up at the airport, brought us to our hotel. I mean, it was, you know, so it all seemed legit. We didn't know that Damon was behind the scenes pulling the strings. Mm -hmm. Um, it, you know, everything, everything seemed to check out, but it really didn't. He was good at manipulation. Well, and then when you finally realized that there were drugs involved, um, what was that like? Can, and there's so many families that go through this that, like you said, are just totally blindsided. Uh, it, well, first, it, we, were, we were shocked and disappointed. 
because he knew the dangers of drugs. We talked about it, you know, being a nurse and working in the emergency room. He heard the stories of uh, situations where people would come in and the and the the tragedies that happened. You just take for granted that that they're processing this, uh, but he wasn't. I am a board member for the South Georgia House of Hope, which is an addiction facility for women dealing with addiction and abuse. And one of the uh-huh. things that we see that is so common is that many times families are hindered from getting the help that they need because of shame. So it is so important to hit that head on. We did. Uh, one of the, the things that uh, early on when all of this started and after the trial and, and uh, you know, there was quite a bit of publicity. It was um, because of the nature of the crime and the fact that it had been going on for several years. Uh, Dallas County had uh, named it the Uptown Burglaries. And so Damon was the Uptown Burglar. And they had been trying to catch him for a long time. So all of this had been in the news and then to find out that this is your child, wow. you know, that people have been talking about. Um, but I had people to come up, I sang in the choir at church. So um, that was kind of hard because you go to church and things happen and you want to cry sometimes, you know, during certain uh, songs or things. But anyway, I had people come up to me after mass and they would say, my son's in prison. He's Mm. in Amarillo, whatever. Nobody knows. My family doesn't know. My neighbors don't know. We don't want anybody to know, but we want you to know because, you know, we we feel a kindred with you uh, and we're praying for you. And I heard this over and over. Wow. Uh, And so when Damon went to trial and was convicted, uh, Bob decided to write this column that he wrote, and it went nationwide and and, and was worldwide in some some countries. Wow! Because we heard from people from all over. But you know, the thing was, um, you can't suffer in silence. I mean, it just makes it worse. And that is so profound. Know, uh, you can't yes. suffer in silence. It makes it worse. And, it and you saw that. You, your family went through that. So when you, when when Bob stepped out um, and and wrote and and I read his article. It was it was amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Saying okay, you know, I write about sports, you know, every Sunday, but I'm going to deviate because we have to because we need to. We need to talk about this and just laid it all out there. The response from that. Can you talk a little bit about what kind of response you got from that article? It, it was it was truly amazing. Um, I'm I'm thinking about one situation where um, this guy that was a, a writer for the Houston Chronicle, very well known writer, came up to Bob and I. And and um, knelt down. We were seated at a table, and he knelt down, and he was telling Bob his son was in prison, and he's he doesn't you know he says I've never talked about it, and went on to tell Bob all the things that were going on in his life, and this is someone that we had known for years. Mm. Um, it it just it was it just brought to light that there are so many young people 
in in the prison system. And there are a lot of family suffering. And when someone goes to prison, it's it's not just the the inmate; it's the entire family that goes with them. Exactly, and, yes. and the community. Um, I'm, right. I'm sure there's yes. same people that cheered for him in high school and college um, were they were all touched by this. They were uh, a, a, a lot of people. You know, their first response was, "Oh, th- this can't be true." And but that's drugs do that. Drugs make you someone that that you never thought you would be and or turn you into someone you never thought you would be. And, uh, you know, we had we had to felt had to console many times other people who were just devastated because, you know, Damon is a very likable uh, guy and people just couldn't believe that this was the same person that they knew. So, you know, just like when when someone dies and people come to comfort the family, the family turns around to comfort them. It was the same way with this. And in many ways, this was like a death. Yes. um, Because you've lost your child. It's a loss. Yes. And you you fear that, you know, you'll never get them back and not knowing how the the Texas uh, prison system works. Uh, when we heard the the um, sentence of 65 years, it just blew us away because I, at that time I was 62, Bob was 65. And you think 65 years, there's, you know, there's no way we'll ever see him on the outside. Wow. But uh, Damon qualified because his crimes were not aggravated. No one was ever home at the time. No, no weapons were ever used. Uh, as bad as the crimes were, as much that was stolen and the property involved, uh, he was eligible uh, for a nonviolent crime and the, and also eligible for um, work time in prison. And so at normally you have to serve 25 uh, 25% of your your sentence. And in Texas, a sentence stops at 60 years because that's considered life. Uh, Texas looks at it that you have to be 17 to go into a prison. And so 60 years added to 17, that's considered the life of an adult. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it stopped at 60 years. So we knew that he, we found out later he would be eligible for parole after 15 years. But then, as time went on, he got credit for day for day served, plus his uh, work time, and so he ended up serving seven years and three months, and okay. will be on parole okay. for the rest of the time. All right. So I want to go back because I I heard, um, of course, you know. I, his book, uh, The Coffee Bean, you know, with mm-hmm. John Gordon is just amazing. And then um, just what he has done uh, with talking to colleges all over the country because he has such a passion to turn them around by sharing his right. story. Okay. Mm-hmm. You have to be uh, just so proud and to see what happened to this young man. But there was something in, in hearing um, him uh, talk recently um, that I caught a hold of, and I was like, "Okay, I've got to talk to his mother." And this is something that it 
it would not have been. He would have had a story just like every other convict. But there was Mm -hmm. something that happened, and it is called tough love. But it came surprisingly from a mama. And usually, you know, mamas are those that love unconditionally, and they're the last ones to, to say something. But... There was something in you, and I would, I would love for you to share that about what was going through your mind and how you were able to speak something to him before he went into prison. It was after his sentence, but before he mm-hmm. served his time when you and your husband had the last encounter with him. Can you share that with us? Yes. Um, first, with my background, uh, I'm a registered nurse, and at that point, I was working in trauma, and I saw my son in total distress, and we were in shock, really. And and looking at him, it was like he was a patient on a gurney, and he was bleeding out, and I had to do something to save him, to stop the bleeding or to stop the pain. And so... I, you know, I told him that um, he um, he sh- should not get into any gangs and that um, we did not want him to come back to us as, as someone we did not recognize. So no gangs, no tattoos. Um, we wanted him to be a better person for going through what he had to go through and we knew it was going to be tough but it was going to be tough on us too so we had some demands and we told him that um uh debt and life have to be paid and he had a debt as as much as he had a debt to the state of texas he also had a debt to his family to bob and i and we would stay by him. We would never leave his side. We would never abandon him. There was nothing he could ever do to make us not love him, as bad as it, it as it was. But in turn, he had a debt to us, and uh, and that was to come back as the man that we raised. Wow. Now he he when he is telling this testimony, he says that you said. Either you come back the man we raised or you don't come back at all. Is that right. true? That's true. That yes. was that had to be tough, Mama, it was. but it was worth it. It was. And, you know, you, you do what you feel like you have to do. You, you're trying to throw out a lifeline uh, to give him something to strive for, to work for. Damon was basically a good kid. He got messed up on drugs. And that happens. And a lot of the parents I talk with, uh, you know, their their kids weren't born bad. Right. Things happen and, and they make bad decisions. And we just have to try to get them back to where the to the roots and the foundation from where they were they were raised. Okay, so I know um, that parents must always ask you, especially if they're dealing um, with this, what can we do so that this doesn't happen, doesn't have the same outcome, or what do we need to be aware of, that kind of thing. is is such a, a hard question to answer because, like you said, you, you, raised, you raised three sons, and one went this direction, and, uh, and you had no idea. And I know that he says in his testimony 
that he had a mindset that needed to be changed. And it was that, oh, this little bit is not going to hurt or, you know, trying this, you know, smoking a little pot, that's not going to hurt. So he said you had to, he had to change his mindset. But as a parent, can you think of something that now that you know what you know, that you could tell other parents? Just, just to, to continue a dialogue with your children, to continue to talk with them. And even though we did this, when, when, he was an adult. We could not, you know, we wanted to go and rescue him. We offered when we realized that something was going on, but we weren't quite sure. And he lost his job and was changing jobs. We offered for him to come back home. And, you know, if we needed to, we would help him get a job. And he always said, Oh no, I've got everything under control. Sometimes God has a plan and that plan just has to play out. And I used, we lived 45 minutes from where I worked at the time. We lived out in the country and I would drive to work and I would pray every, you know, I'd pray the whole 45 minutes. I'd say my rosary, I'd say the chaplet of divine mercy. And the rest of the time I, I wouldn't just pray to God. I would scream Wow. Help me, help me, help Damon. And I did this over and over and over because I knew something was wrong but didn't know what it was. You have to turn him over. I just finally said, God, let him save his soul. And that's how I I prayed. And um, eventually he was arrested. And as Damon talks about, he was actually rescued uh, by the SWAT team. And at that point, you just have to let God, you know, you give it to God. And as Damon says all the time, if you pray, don't worry. If you worry, don't pray. And prayer is, is the thing you just, you can't give up on your children. Um, but they also have a role in it. They have to be willing to accept. And at da- at that point, Damon had never accepted that he had a problem until he heard the that, that he had this uh the judge uh sentenced him to 65 years and he said at that point he hit rock bottom mm-hmm. and when he hit rock bottom that's when we came in and said you know hey you know debts demand to be paid you you have one heck of a debt to the state of texas but you also have a debt to your family to us and mm-hmm. that's when we said no gangs no tattoos um, part of, part of my thinking all of that was that the hospital where I worked had the contract for the, the prisons in this area. And we have, we have six or seven prisons in the Beaumont area, federal and state. And ironically, one of the prisons is where Damon was sent at the Styles unit and so we used to get the prisoners all the time in the emergency room. And they were, they always were very nice and courteous to us. And, you know, you could, we didn't ask them questions and they didn't make comments to us other than the medical. But I saw so many of them with tattoos from head to foot. Wow. And you worry, you know, you worry about hepatitis, you worry about the meaning of the tattoos, the gangs. I did a lot of triage and we had a lot of police officers working with us in the ER. And so we were taught, 
you know, some of the markings on the hands and some of the tattoos, what it meant. And that's part of, I think, why I, I told him no tattoos, no gangs. It's because I had that that mindset of what I had uh, yeah. experienced in the emergency room. Wow, Mama. And you, you know, your prayers and your bravery uh, and your love for your son uh, obviously saved his life and continues to multiply because with him going around to school to school and talking with the teams that he talks to, he can so relate to those guys and they listen. And there's so much uh, testimony about how that he just, you know, commands the crowd and uh and he's speaking from experience and there's no telling how many lives will be impacted because of what your family walked through so thank exactly. you thank you for well, for being bold and being well, and hanging in there and not giving up hope thank you um i watched my mother my 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 oldest brother well, I'm the oldest of six children, so it's me, my sister, and then four brothers. My oldest brother went to Vietnam, came home, you know, everything was fine. He was with the 101st Airborne Division. And when he got home, he went to work for um, a cable vision company and ended up going to Antioch, California. Um, well, actually to Oakland. But on the weekends, they would jump. And one weekend... And jumping, he landed in a water hole on a golf course and drowned. So I watched my mother and daddy go through this with losing a child. And I think that, too, was in the back of my mind, you know, having watched them uh, deal with Philip's death and all the things that came before it. You know, because when your child is in battle, as he was in a war, uh, you pray for their safety and then for him to come home and a year and a half later drown in a water hole on a golf course Um, and then watch the the pain and sorrow that they went through it was almost like um my mother was before me but she would uh, she used the blessed mother of jesus as her guide Mm -hmm. and she talked about all the time about you know mary stood at the at the cross of jesus and watched her son die and never left his side and that was her model to go through life in grieving for my brother. And so when this happened to Damon, you know, I, I recalled all of that to coming through also that uh, I was not the mother of Jesus, but Jesus had given me a son yes. to care for and to be responsible for. And uh, so. So your uh, experiences. You know, it's like the Lord had given you exactly what you needed. Um, It really and truly. And, you know, where you don't realize it at the time, but sometimes you're being prepared for something that uh, you don't realize how hard it's going to be to walk uh, down that path. But you just have to call on your resolve. What a testimony. What a testimony. Your whole family. So now when you have those gatherings, uh, there has to be just extreme celebration. Oh, yes, we do. We do. And, uh, you know, with COVID and everything, it's been it's been difficult to get together. But we did get together in last December. Our youngest son got married and uh, the wedding was in Cancun. And um, so the whole family was there. 
for a celebration. And that, that was a very good way to start the new year. And so we get together, you know, um, on FaceTime and, um, keep up with each other. Damon comes, he doesn't live far from us about 10 minutes. So he comes here periodically, but we, we do try to safe distance everything. So it's just, it's just another, um, situation that you live in you have to adapt to well well done mom this this is going to help a whole lot of mamas out there and just to really encourage so thank you for sharing and letting us be a part of your story of just well thank you kathy i appreciate it and good luck with everything you do and thank you for for inviting me Thank you for joining us on Beyond the Ball Field, where we are using lessons learned in sports to positively impact our family and others. And for more information of how you can be a positive influence beyond the ball field, go to our website, beyondtheballfield.com.